The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, now he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but, but priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so they could, might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Come here, and he said to them, It is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save or to kill. But they were silent, and he looked around them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning. Is, am I on? Yeah, all right, cool. I forgot one Sunday I preached, and so, but everybody seemed to hear it anyway. Um, well, it's good to see you this morning. Um, in our family, we do uh, a basketball bracket this time of year. Now, some of you could either don't know what I'm talking about or could care less, but uh, this is sort of bragging rights in our extended family for um, uh, 12 months. And um, basically, my bracket crashed Friday night when Virginia lost because, and so there is no future in the basketball world for me going forward. But thankfully, I have some other things to be thankful for. Um, Pastor Paul failed to mention, but after the service, we're actually going to have a time of ministry in the back for those whose brackets are not doing so well <laughs> to encourage you uh, that life goes on. And then for those of you whose brackets are doing really well, uh, I want to spend a little time sharing with you about what Jesus had to say about pride and humility. So that's immediately following the service um, back there. Um, on a more serious note, since the end of January, we've been talking of, um, and, and looking at the Gospel of Mark. And Pastor Paul shared with us that this is an action-packed um, an account of what Jesus did and the way that he did it and what he said. Um, I, I like to say it's sort of a Reader's Digest version of the gospel. But uh, we know that Jesus is in the region of Galilee. He's moving through this region. He's performing miracles, um, uh, feeding 5,000 people. He's healing multiple people. He's casting out demons. Well, where we pick up this story today is a time now 
when the scribes and the Pharisees are starting to pay attention. They've sort of got their eyes on him. They're, they're trying to figure out just who is this guy. And um, so they're watching every move that he makes. But before I begin, I just want to open up with a prayer. Lord, I thank you for the account that we have of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. I thank you for the opportunity to share today that our pastor would let me do that. Uh, I pray that I don't get in the way of what you want to say today, that I don't create any confusion. I pray that um, your words will be heard, that they will touch some hearts, and that your people will be blessed. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Well, let me begin with a question. And um, it's a really serious question in the sense that it can impact your life. And that is, how do you imagine God to be? How do you see God? When you think of him, what is the construct in your mind of who he is? As, as a small boy um, growing up in the mountains of North Carolina, uh, I grew up on a little farm, and immediately adjacent to the kitchen, you step through a door and you step down into a spring house. Now, in the first service, most of those uh, uh, yuppies didn't know what I was talking about, but uh, let me just give you a little history lesson here. A spring house was usually a small building attached to the house, and it would have a mountain spring running through a trough that was about one foot deep and about two foot wide. And so that cold, crisp mountain water ran through that trough uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week throughout the year. It, it always amazed me because I could go in there in the, in the summertime on a hot day and it was still cool in the spring house. Above the trough, we had multiple shelves, and that's where we stored our canned goods, mostly vegetables and fruits, that we had processed through the summer and the fall, and that would carry us through the coming winter. And so, I, I occasionally, I know this is really hard for some of you that know me to get your arms around this, but I occasionally misbehaved as a young man. Um, I, would, I always wanted to see sort of how far I could stretch the rules. Well, often when I would misbehave, I was being raised by a great aunt, and uh, she would run out of patience, she would grab me by the hand, she would take me into the spring house, and she would point up to the highest shelf in a dark, damp, moist-filled place. And on that shelf, I think we have a picture um, uh, that we're going to bring up. There was a can of Red Devil Lie. And my aunt would tell me, she said, Jerry, if you don't stop being a bad boy, that devil's going to get you. Now... You know what? I believed her. And, and you would too, because if you're paying attention, wherever you're sitting in this room, that devil's looking at you. 
I couldn't stand anywhere in that spring house that that devil didn't have his eyes locked right in on me. So I knew that he meant business. Well, about the same time, um, I, the pastor of this T-tiny little Methodist church in our community, once a year he would gather some of the elementary school children and we, he would, we would meet with him on a, a weekday afternoon after school and he would share with us the gospel of Jesus. Now, I don't remember a lot about what he had to say, but I do remember this picture that was on the side of that Sunday school room. And it was this picture of this gentle, loving man holding a lamb. And I, can, I remember both of those images today, just like I, uh, they, I did many, many years ago. Well, the problem is, that's where my concept of who Jesus was. It fell between the two images of the devil who was just waiting for me to mess up and this gentle shepherd holding the lamb. And it was a, it was a tense place to be. I got this sort of subliminal message that if I was a good boy, God would love me. And if I was a bad boy, God would turn me over to that devil on the shelf. I had no concept of what a personal relationship with Jesus Christ was. I could, I, I could sort of imagine how good and how gracious he might be, but I really, I, I had no real uh, experience of that and no one to guide me in that. And I certainly didn't understand his unconditional love. So, when you live between these two extremes, the gentle shepherd and the devil on the shelf, it makes for an uncertain and anxious life. Because no matter what you experience that might be good, you're always waiting for the shoe to drop. Because as a little boy, I figured out that every time I did something bad, I didn't always get caught. And, and so I chose to just sort of cheat the system to see what I could get away with. And I carried that on into adulthood. Choosing to cheat. Choosing to cut corners with my relationship with Christ. Choosing to be, believe less about myself and less about him. This morning, um, Mason read the scripture from uh, Mark 2. And we pick up this story of Jesus moving across a grain field with his disciples. And they probably, some of them, just casually reached down and, and grabbed some kernels of grain. And that was just what the Pharisees were looking for. 
And so they immediately jumped Jesus and his disciples and said, you know, did you see what just happened? Did you see what they did? It's unlawful to work on the Sabbath. And Jesus replied to me, now this is my translation, but it's pretty close. He said, are you kidding me? Are you serious? That's what you're concerned about? And he made two statements. The first thing he said is, don't you understand the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. I created the Sabbath. I created it for you. I knew you were living anxious, uh, packed lives that were tense, and they were, you were full of disappointments. I created this for you. And then he made this amazing statement. He says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Lord used in this, this way, it, it really means I own it. I created it. It's mine to do with what I want to do with it. And I created it for you because I knew you would need it. You see, our lives are radically shaped by how we believe Jesus to be, how we imagine him to be, how we see him. If we see him as someone that's ready to drop um, uh, and just pound us, the minute, the minute we make a mistake, we're, it's going to be very difficult to understand who he is as our Lord and Savior. But he calls us to live a different kind of a life. He says, I'm not the bean counter that some people believe me to be. You'll be tempted to cut corners with me, but I'll still love you. I carried that image that I told you about from, um, in my childhood that I formed in my childhood into my adult life. I was probably 30 years before I realized how mistaken I was. So instead of letting that image define what I believed, I had to start reading about who Jesus said he was and why he came. The, the, the story continues in... Um, uh, first part, uh, uh, chapter 3, and, and the Pharisees once again confront Jesus. Uh, he's, take, he's going into a synagogue, and he is healing the hand, uh, the withered hand of this man, and they jump him again. And he looked around the room, and, and he was grieved. And, he, he, and he, it says he was grieved by the hardness of their hearts. You see, living a life in between who you and, and, and an unsure life of who you imagine God to be will harden your heart. 
and it'll make it tough. Rather than do that, why wouldn't we look at who Jesus said he was? Why wouldn't we look at why he came? He said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread that gives life. No one comes to me will ever be hungry. No one who has faith in me will ever be thirsty. All things come from me. He said in John, he said, I know all men. I know, just like the Pharisees that day, I know that your hearts have been hardened. But then he, he says, but you can stop trying to be the good little boy or the good little girl that you think I require you to be because I'm so much more. The time has come for all of us to throw away the tiny little images that we have of God. You've carried them for too long. And you're missing out on what life has to offer. Jesus comes and he says, I am Lord of the Sabbath. He comes and says, I am the Lord of your life. I am the Lord of your future. I am the Lord of your marriage. I am the Lord of your vocation. I am the Lord of your children. I am the Lord of the dark places and the good places in your life. They're mine. And I will take care of you. When Trenton, uh, I just thought Trenton's selection of music this weekend was tremendous, and we hadn't discussed this, this message, but it just really touched my heart how the Holy Spirit works in those situations. So uh, I'm giving you a little bit of a shout out, but a bigger shout out to the Holy Spirit. But it said, there was a song, and I don't, I don't know if you pay attention to these songs that we sing, but I hope you do. Because there's some beautiful picture, word pictures in there and statements in there. And there was a, a phrase in the song today. It said, when the night is holding on to me, you are there. Jesus' message to us today is really simple. He says, come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. And what I have for you will be more abundant than anything that you could dream or imagine. Because I am the good shepherd. Jesus said to Levi, the tax collector, come to me. He said to the woman at the well, come to me. He said to the rich young ruler, come to me. He said to the centurion, come to me. He said to Simon Peter, come to me. If you read on in Mark, you'll see where he asked, Simon Peter, uh, asked the disciples this question. He said, who do you say I am? 
He said to Martha, just calm down, Martha, and sit down next to me and come to me. And that's his word for us today. That's his word to maybe there's some in this room that find them in the corner, find themselves in the dark, dusty corner of the spring house of life. They've lost hope. They've lost even courage. And Jesus says, that's okay. Come to me. That you might have life and have it abundantly. Let me pray. Lord, that's my prayer this morning. This is not complex theology, Lord. Uh, I confess that there have been many times in my life where I have seen you less than who you really are. And yet, even in the darkness of the night, you have stood by me, and you hold my hand. I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning that they will know you as who you truly are. They will see your power, your mighty uh, power, your mercy, your unconditional love in ways that they never dreamed or imagined. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.